you can have fun and it doesn't always have to be sexual so you are allowed to have fun with the people you're just not allowed to fuck them straight away Uh, (laughs) and the second message was to really slow it down welcome back intimates thanks for your support on patreon making this 2021 season possible This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. What would it look like if you were invited to an orgy and you were excited to go? Would you want to go back again? Have you had a partner who was genuinely excited for you or to go themselves? Would you go? Now, let's say you've been going to this fun event for a while. It's an event that involves dating, sex, or kink. You've been going long enough that people start asking you to teach a five-minute talk on consent. You practice, you have a decent talk, you're super nervous, you go up, you crush it, you come off the stage, and people are suddenly more interested in having sex with you. People you didn't have the confidence to approach are now approaching you, But here's the rub. Power imbalances make ethical sex complicated. I'm going to say that again. Power imbalances make ethical sex complicated. So how do you put down the microphone, as it were, deal with the microphone effect, and then actually go talk to people? And is it it still okay for you to ask them to sleep with you? These types of situations are all too easy to find ourselves in. You may be speaking with someone who came up to you and is offering themselves to you. They don't care that you only have a year's experience or no experience. They also have no experience. So where does your responsibility to your community and to that other individual begin and where does it end? To what extent are we denying other folks the autonomy to make their own decisions? And to what extent are we saying, I have the autonomy to say, I don't want to risk the potential fallout to me in the community and my friends potentially in the community by engaging with this person who may or may not actually be completely informed about what's going on here, even if they're assuring me they are. Remember, even if you're the top or initiator or whoever you are, if you are the person asking or the person being asked, if things change, you still get a chance to say no. Anyways, let's chat with Ollie and Yanina now here on Intimate Interactions. Uh, Yeah, no, I wanted to say we actually did a transformative accountability incubator here in Europe, really going deeper into the topics uh, of accountability. And actually 64 people um, registered. So like we had, I think, 30 in person and 30 online joining. And it was really really fun also to see that a lot of people were interested in how to have fun as an organizer, how to still, I don't know, and and we really wrote some interesting things down. Yeah, How the whole topic. That. Yeah, it did. Like I was, I was a bit afraid actually that like um, that like no one would show up. Because, like, it's kind of like an unsexy topic, like how to deal with accountability as a community leader. 
but like actually there was a bunch of people and like we yeah we really had interesting conversations and that really made me happy it's like oh yes other people are interested in this too <laughs> yay <laughs> awesome on that note i will welcome everyone to another special session of intimate interactions i'm here with olivier uh and yanina vivian they are two sex positive activists and avid learners olivier is an interested systems builder and wants to build capacity and community both volunteer with consent academy um, yanina is a sex educator and an event coordinator and is one of the co-masterminds behind Project Sex Positive Europe. It is it is you and other people, is it not, Yanina, or is it just you? No, it's uh, me and the, and the core team. Okay, and you have a core team. Wonderful. Excellent. And you can find Yanina online as at Yanina Vivian, either on Instagram or Facebook or at the .com. So I'm super interested to talk more about how to have fun as an organizer and uh, the transformative accountability incubator that you were talking about, Yanina. Um, and also to talk more about burner stuff, because I, it is a really interesting intersection when you are a participant, you've paid money, just like everyone else, you're there, and you choose to go above and beyond and volunteer. And then you have new individuals seeing like, oh, this person must really have their stuff together. They must be really amazing. They're standing up there teaching things. But it's like, well, no, I'm, if anything, I have my stuff less together than you because I'm up here doing things for free and you don't even have to do that. And I've somehow been volunteered into this. Um, but they have this idea as if you were like getting paid to do it or something. And you're like, no, I'm definitely not getting paid. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Should we talk uh, first about the incubator or first about uh, the burner stuff? Let's talk about the incubator first. So yeah, last year uh, we organized for the first time a three days gathering of people in Europe who are interested in talking about uh, transformative justice. And the incubator is a format that we do already since almost three years, where we come together and choose a topic around sex positivity or for the sex positive community, and then like deepen into it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we were really grateful to have um, Ariana from Consent Academy as our trainer. And also, yeah, did one day of training and one day of really open topics where we could define our own, um, yeah, working groups, let's say. And yeah, one very popular topic was actually how to have fun as an organizer, because many of us shared that we came actually into the scene as a participant, as an engaged person, as a feminist wanting to change the scene and ended up as leader and actually, yeah, not having any more this hedonistic drive because there was so much other work to do and um, things to speak up that, yeah, we lost a bit why we came and we got power and yeah, that made things also more difficult. Isn't it funny how femme-presenting people come into the community to practice feminism and to do the things they want to do and instead get saddled with all this emotional labor and work? Very interesting. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, it, it's care work, but it's also really a lot of, uh, yeah, 
talking with people and also mediating and yeah mm -hmm. so a lot of the things uh, after an event nobody sees uh, all the things that we have to solve afterwards the aftermath the report the gossip the the little incidents that happen but are still impacting the community and yeah really yeah I thought it's all light and beautiful and you are then afterwards celebrated and another honored as an awesome organizer. But actually, everyone is back in their life and you're there with a lot of, I know, heavy work still. And yeah, yeah. And, and not only that, actually, yeah? like it's there's so much that comes with like organizing an event. I mean, like people have to eat. The, the space needs to be cleaned uh, like like people need to pick up pick up from from different places and like get all together and stuff the the whole organization and like what i also saw like with this incubator actually while even like now i i would say all of our participants are like definitely identifying as feminists and really like going for that and truly believing in that but still we we see actually that femme presenting people actually get settled up with like most of these ta tasks and like it's 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 e even if you fight it and you are aware of it still it it repeats itself in a in a in a circle and that's very very mm. interesting to kind of like notice and then like yeah how do you go about that like how do you call that out how do you like change that culture uh which is sometimes yeah no it is very difficult actually uh, I read some very interesting article on like uh, care work from um, I don't know the name anymore of the author. Um, shame on me. <laughs> uh, no, but it's like all good. It's, it's, all good. it's it's also like the the little communications like Janina already said like afterwards like like supporting each other like in these roles and like uh, showing up for each other mm -hmm. and then all that work is invisible that's still still a problem even in feminist spaces i find yeah that is exactly how i feel it's it's a lot of work and it's interesting how the people who want to create the change are often i mean like organizing rarely pays anyways even for people who are trying to do it for profit but a lot of the specialized services that we talk about like mediating and trying to deal with the aftermath those things cost money like they either cost money or they cost a lot of your time to learn the skills to learn the principles and then to practice them yes and no matter how much you might want to embody transformative justice values if you're spending hours trying to engage with people doing intense emotional labor like you deserve to be paid for that work and that should be reflected on the ticket price of the event and you should be paid for that work in my opinion however in practice there's a lot of shame around, you know, femmes and women who advocate for themselves, who want to pay themselves money. Um, like, it's it's just incredible to me that we can come from such feminist communities and then be dealing with, I don't know, the same garbage repackaged. Mm -hmm. It's really frustrating for me when I see people, you know, volunteering in these intensive processes. And then I see wealthy white folks locally coming to these events and paying, you know, $20 to get in. Right. And it's like, that's not what it costs to produce. It doesn't cost $20 a person to, you know, to move specialized dungeon equipment into a huge venue, you know, especially when you're dealing with low community population, it doesn't cost $20. 
quite frankly, it needs to be a lot more. We need to charge yes. a lot more, and then we need to offer scholarship to people who are marginalized or who otherwise need the accessibility or who can't pay it. Like there really needs to be more of a of a sliding scale ethos, I think, and that we should start that scale a lot higher. That's my personal feeling. I, I understand, but on the other hand, I at the moment in Europe, there's also a lot of high price things that are showing up uh, justified by the pandemic. And mm. I'm also an issue with that because it's partly what I earn a month that they want for a festival. And for me, that is not accessible at all, even mm -hmm. if I, mm -hmm. I mean, I struggle myself to ask prices and to make my money. So I'm maybe not the best in talking how to make sustainable events um, because I really care that uh, it's also reaching people that mm -hmm. maybe don't have so much the access normally to these things. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that is... no, you raise a really sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll I, I think that is like the intersection where where uh, also feminism or or modern day feminism and, and event organizing uh, crosses with like uh, capitalism and like how we need to survive in this world. It's um, mm -hmm. and it's it's super sad to hear actually. Yeah, like what you say, Janina. Like you invest so much, you you organize all these things um you you volunteered for like other people their events to also like be able to attend then you get into this power position you get more work you cannot enjoy like you don't have enough like your work is also not paid enough so like it's 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 this circle of work that keeps turning and turning um it's it's unfair and it's very difficult to break I, I found the solution. We have to make our society pay for it. Um, yes. So, yeah, because I think it is essential to the change of our society and yes. it's a very important and valuable thing. So last year I got the first time a grant from the government for my festival. Amazing. That is awesome. 3,000 euros, <laughs> so just saying. Woo. That makes it possible to pay people. <laughs> It does. Yeah. And That's yourself. wonderful. I'm, <laughs> don't forget and yourself. Myself, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was going to suggest grants. I'm so happy you brought it up because that was the direction I was going to go in, was there are people who will help you write grants if you can't write the grant yourself. Yeah. It's it is a skill, huh? Janina, yes, you follow the skill. course to, to... Yeah, I follow the course for cultural funding um, while I was unemployed during Corona to really learn also how to see our work from another perspective so of course i removed sex and changed it to body but i basically the same text <laughs> but it's not a body yeah. positive community and i mean it still has sex positive values we are just i don't know not direct saying sex putting sex into the main headline but it still stays the same values and uh, maybe changes a bit the community um, but I, mm -hmm. it is an important thing also to include more people who are struggling with their gender or with dysphoria or other sexual traumas that the sex positive spaces that I have been creating were also not super inclusive with for 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 LGBTQI folks, for example. Mm hmm. Yeah, and organizing for a specialized community is also more expensive again because you've got fewer people coming to your event and often you have more considerations. Um, finding an accessible event space is way harder than it should be in Vancouver. Like it, it shouldn't be this hard to find an accessible event space, but 
of the places willing to rent to alternative community like BDSM and kink spaces, there are there is locally the Maritime Labor Center, the Korean Cultural Center, and the Wise Hall and Lounge. And those are the three venues in the wow. city that I know of that will rent to. Um, but those are only the ones I know of. There are other ones as well. I know Sin City has a different venue because there's an event that's a fetish ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a it's a great event. It just it isn't like a dungeon party. So sometimes you see like hardcore kinksters in Vancouver will call it stand and model S and M because they just want to be beating the crap out of each other in ways that make them both happy. And instead they're stuck wearing a costume and there's like one spanking bench in a tiny little roped off dungeon area. It's, it's almost more decoration than, you know, people still use it, but it is pure masochism. (laughs) If you're really masochistic about wanting to go out and play on your one weekend that you finally have off, um, go to Sin City and you'll really get your masochism (laughs) indulged because you, you won't get much time to play. Um, sorry, we were talking about something important and I totally derailed us. I just found my notes of the incubator yeah. and I thought I Amazing. can share of this one session that was very popular of how to have fun as a person in power or a facilitator. And yes, please. one important message was fun is not sex. You can have fun and it doesn't always have to be sexual so you are allowed to have fun with the people you're just not allowed to fuck them straight away <laughs> uh, <laughs> so and the second message was to really slow it down to really take time to communicate about this to say hey here at this event i'm in this uh, position but if you're still interested you could contact me afterwards in one month or something and if you still feel like similar to that we can meet in a different context um also letting them approach and not you approaching them out of your position of power and then um yeah, really uh, letting them also know about with account which accountability measures you have in place, if you have an accountability pot, or how they can um, yeah give you feedback or approach someone else to give feedback uh, about you. So yeah, these were things that we that we wrote down. That's really good. Yeah, I honestly I think having the conversation as well, like when someone else approaches you. And it's like, hey, I'm really interested in playing or sex or whatever. Being able to say like, hey, well, I'm I'm just I'm aware that there's a huge power dynamic here because of X, Y and Z. Maybe it's age. Maybe it's experience in the community. Maybe it's um, position in in volunteering. But being able to address those things and talk to the person be like, well, how do you feel about this? Like, this is something that definitely impacts all of us, whether we want it to or not. So it's very important that we talk about it and we're aware of it. The last thing you want is to, you know, have fun with a person um, and have it come back later that they didn't know that you had, you know, this thing or that thing or that they they didn't know that it was a thing they should have been aware of. So they didn't think to ask. So it's really good to just sort of have that conversation, even if that conversation doesn't do anything more than bring up that it might be an issue. I mean, I also. Yeah, go ahead. It's, it's similar with with the use of drugs. Um, I find it very important if I have I'm on a party and I did not expect expect to kind of hook up at that night and I took I don't know let's say some MDMA, 
and I meet someone, I think it's very important to communicate that to the other person so that they know and they can take their decision if they want to go with me and then also to communicate about boundary setting and I can communicate that while I'm on, on drugs I might be also not so good in communicating so all these communications are really for me crucial either in power position or if using of substances or any other things that are reducing my capacity agreed yeah huh? even I mean, ideally being able to talk to people in advance if you're planning on doing things um, on substances so that they can understand, you know, what your no looks like in your body when you're on substances, what your yes looks like in your body, how you typically communicate, how they'll know if something's wrong. Those sorts of questions. Very good to ask if you're planning to do something like that for the first time. If you haven't planned and you're launching into it on substances, then yes, absolutely. Being able to let them know, hey, by the way. I'm still up for this, but also I'm super high. Like, they need to know that. Yes. Mm -hmm. Some people are really just that clueless. Yes, totally. Like, they, they won't pick up that you're very high. Yeah. But I also learned lately to, to also maybe, if it's someone that is completely new to trauma, for example, to also explain how a trauma reaction can look like and to also say, if I... I don't know, don't react anymore. And uh, I just stand up and start flashing water in my face. That means please wait a bit till I am maybe able to talk to you again. Um, so also, I don't know, sometimes it's not the first thing. It doesn't feel safe to talk about that. But yeah, Olivia, mm. really big fans from the Stars Talk of Evelyn Decker and really, yeah, nerd out on that with our sex partners or lovers whatever and yeah so i i'm a big fan of communication sorry are you talking about captain evelyn decker uh dr evelyn decker from yeah who did the stars talk who developed the stars talk i think dr evelyn decker yes from vancouver no, no. from usa Evelyn Dacker yes, got it. Yes. I have found what we are looking for. Wonderful. Seeing stars, a stimulating, safer sex talk. Cool. I'll put it in the show notes so that people can take a look. I'll also pass on the, the article uh, once I found it that I talked about earlier on like a, a care work. Uh, sorry, care work? Yeah, like the the article that I mentioned earlier on like uh, yes, like fair uh, care economy economy. Yes, one of my part well, sorry partners, I shouldn't say that. Um, one of my friends um, has recently managed to buy a single detached home on Vancouver Island, which is very expensive. Um, and has only managed to do so by renting the place out to two of his partners. So the questions had sort of come up for him in that relationship. Um, and I will get consent to share this um, before I publish it. But I, as of the moment of speaking, I don't technically have consent to share this, but this is not live, so that should be okay. If you're hearing it, I have consent to share the story. <laughs> um he decided to allow his partners paying rent to be legally entitled to the percentage of equity that they were paying for. So rather than simply engaging with capitalism in this typically exploitative way where they would be paying him rent for their 
right to live there and then he would be collecting the equity from the home and benefiting off of the land he decided to pay them proportionally so if they were to pay eight hundred dollars and the ratio of interest to principal that year was say let's let's live in a perfect world where interest is reasonable 90 percent principal to 10 percent you know um interest then they would essentially be getting 720 dollars of the total value of the property each month in their name so it sort of facilitates um, this person's partners purchasing very tiny, you know, microtransaction amounts of the property rather than having them benefit not at all. So I thought it was just such a clever way to look at capitalism and the current economy through a lens of not utilizing your privilege against people you love and choosing to extend a fair sort of a more fair deal if that makes sense. I, I think I need to read this again in writing to kind of like really, really grasp it. But uh, like, sure. I'm definitely interested in like all ideas that kind of like work against capitalism in a capitalist mm -hmm. world, actually. Like the, right, the whole... where we don't have a choice yeah, to yeah, yeah, get yeah, rid exactly. of the marketplace. Like it is what it's yeah. there. Yeah, we need to survive in, in this system. So, um, but yeah, like, like the idea of like anti-capitalist marketing is super interesting. Like, um, yeah yeah but i i don't know i feel i mean as a female red person and also identifying as a as a woman i have been together with older white richer men than me and them owning spaces and me feeling whatever love i put in there because i'm very good in decorations and also bringing people to places they will keep it at the end, even if they tell yes. the we, and even if they give me some percentage of whatever shit, it's their thing. And they earned it to capitalism and me doing all that benevolent volunteer work that gets mm -hmm. kind of rewarded through love and uh, appreciation is nothing at the end when I have to leave because he found the next person to exploit. So, yes, <laughs> I don't know. I still... The, I mean, it's a bit also the thing with activism. I am in a very privileged position that my family supports me so I can do whatever I want um, and the government can support me. And a lot of people would also have awesome ideas to bring to the world, but they have their daily struggle uh, to, yeah, to just survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to be able to eat and like feed themselves and stuff. Mm -hmm. I am aware that we don't live in a in a perfect society where I don't know property goes to the people that deserve it and who want to build. But yeah, I'm. Yeah, it's it's complicated for me. The fair equity share renting with partners, like being able to give them whatever proportion of the property they actually pay for, like essentially you would be giving them the equity they pay into your property, but not the interest, which makes sense because that's what you get when you pay into your property. You're, you're essentially just saying, hey, if you help me pay this off faster, um, you know, I end up paying less interest in the long run and you end up owning a small percentage of the property that gets paid out if you, you know, when you leave or whatever. You can write your agreement however you want to, but it's, it's better than when people have a live-in partner and their partner just pays rent and they don't get anything for it. Sure. If that person owns the property. I totally can understand that in the case of your uh, friend, that uh, totally makes yeah. sense. But 
like sadly enough that's not like the common used model <laughs> and yeah very often it's still i don't know energy of of people that gets exploited into projects Mm -hmm. But yeah, we wanted to talk about also more fun stuff like burner things, where you also invest a lot of energy and actually get hedonism for it normally. Yes. Let's do a different episode on hedonism, hedonism. I'm very excited about that episode. But for this one, I'll just say thank you both so much for being on another episode of Intimate Interactions. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash intimate victor or tweet me at intimate victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at intimate victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victor salmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes, or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. The closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>